The following message is brought to you by the Ezra Institute for Contemporary Christianity and was recorded at Westminster Chapel in Toronto. To learn more about the Ezra Institute's mission to declare the Lordship of Jesus Christ over every area of life, please visit www.ezrainstitute.ca. Our scripture reading this morning is Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 to 17. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is the word of the Lord. And I was struck as I read that, the reference to every nation, every people, every tribe, every tongue. And one of the things that I've done over the past couple of days, you know, I check in, you know, once a day on this map that uh, John Hopkins University has, and they show you where the, the virus is, how many cases. And you can see there on the side all, all of these nations, all of these tribes, all of these peoples, all of these languages who are affected by this. And here we have in John's vision this multi-ethnic global picture of God's people. And they are unified in their identity as those who are clothed in white, those who are standing before the throne of God, and those who belong to the Lamb who is the shepherd. And that is an amazing description of Christ, the Lamb who is the shepherd. And what brings all of these peoples and nations and languages and tribes together is their shepherd, is Christ. They belong to Christ. They're his. And we're given here an image of the ministry of the shepherd. He shelters them under his presence. He protects them. He provides for them. They, they don't hunger. They don't thirst. He leads them beside streams of living water. 
He wipes away every tear from their eyes. And the image of the Good Shepherd is one of the first images that appears in Christian art in history. So in the first century, the second century, even into the third century, we don't actually have any material evidence of Christianity. In other words, nothing really distinctly Christian that was left behind. But what we do have into the, into the 200s, what does appear are images of the shepherd, of the good shepherd. And we, we find these paintings in the catacombs. Uh, we find in, 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 the, in the tombs, in the, the coffins of Christians, uh, in relief, kind of sculpted into, into the coffins, images of the good shepherd. And the picture of Christ carrying the lamb on his shoulders. It's one of the first images of Christ that appears. And the reason for that is because it was a time when the church was under threat. And they knew that they had a shepherd who was with them, who cared for them, even in death, even through death. And they remembered the words of Christ to them. You will never perish. I give you eternal life. You will never perish. And it's important for us at a time like this, as we're listening to all kinds of voices, and I know that we have different opinions about all the voices that we're hearing from, from the news and the different experts But in the midst of those voices, we need to be listening to the voice of the Good Shepherd. And remember what Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. And this is a time when we as his people hear his voice. And we rest in the fact, in the knowledge, that he knows us and we follow him. And the book of Revelation gives us this beautiful vision of the ministry of our shepherd, of the good shepherd. And in one sense, this is a picture of the future. It is looking ahead to that last day when everyone will be there. No one is missing. People from every tribe, every nation, every language, every people. We will all be there together. And it is an amazing thought that John already in this vision has seen each one of you there. He's already seen it. I think you could have, you know, you could have hit pause on that vision and you could have zoomed in on all the faces and John saw your face there. He's already seen you there on that last day. And the lamb who is the shepherd is leading us then on that day to those streams of living water. He's wiped away every tear from our eyes. It is a vision of the future. It gives us hope. We know that we'll be there one day. But it is also a vision of the spiritual reality of the present because he's our good shepherd right now. He's with us right now. He is caring for us right now. We stand before the throne of God right now. We are under the shadow of his presence right now at this moment. And as we consider the ministry of the good shepherd among us, I want us to notice three things that we see in this text in Revelation 7. The first is that he is the one who washes us. He purifies us. We are dressed in white. Secondly, he protects us. We are those who are brought through the great tribulation. We've come out of it. It doesn't mean we avoided it. It does mean that we have come through it. We've come out of it. He was with us. He led us through. He protects us. And then finally, he provides for us. We don't hunger. We don't thirst. He leads us to living water. So first, the good shepherd tends to his sheep. He cares for the sheep. He cleanses the sheep. He makes sure that the sheep are healthy. 
And the image of the white robes is an image of those who have been cleansed of their sin, purified of their sin. In the early church, when people were baptized, they, they would go into the baptismal font, they would be baptized, and then when they came up, they would be given a white robe. And for the next week, they would walk around in that white robe. And everyone who saw them would, would recognize, hey, this person has just been baptized. They are, they are, they're in a white robe. And that signified the fact that they had been cleansed by the blood of Christ. And the prophet Isaiah describes even our righteous deeds. He warns us there that all of us are unclean. All of our righteous deeds are like filthy garments. We all need to be washed. We all need to be cleansed. And notice the description of those clothed in white. They've been washed, they've been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. And the Lamb who is our shepherd has laid down his life for us. And when we turn to him in repentance and faith, we find this cleansing, we find forgiveness. We're purified. We stand before him righteous. We stand before him clean, spotless, perfect. Now, the image of the Lamb who cleanses. And remember what John the Baptist said when he saw Jesus walking down the banks of the Jordan River, coming towards him. He said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In the book of Revelation in particular, but the prophets of God, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, they warn us that times of economic instability, that's a time right now, they warn us that pestilence are an expression of God's judgment. And we can't shy away from that reality. So the threat of pestilence, which is what this is at the moment, a threat of pestilence, that is a warning. That is, that is God sounding a warning of judgment. Economic instability, that, that is an expression of God's judgment. If you're reading through the book of Revelation, I've just read Revelation 7, but Revelation chapter 6 is well known, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. As the first four seals are opened, these horsemen go out. And the second one brings economic instability. And then the fourth one brings death, Hades, pestilence to the earth. Now, each one of these horsemen is called forth from the throne. From the throne. God is the one calling these things forth. He's called forth these judgments. And as we read on, we find as the fifth seal is opened, and then as the sixth seal is opened, that these judgments are warnings and calls to repentance. It's a call to repentance. And so, whatever, however we interpret what's going on, we need to hear this as a call to repentance. God is warning us. He's warning the world. And he's calling the world to repentance. Now, in calling the world to repentance, he's calling the world to life. He's calling the world to his son. And this is a time when we need to remember that the world is under God's judgment and those that we know and love around us are under God's judgment, and we need to call them to the Lamb. This isn't a time to shy away. This isn't a time to, to just simply 
you know, talk with your neighbors about, oh, you know, what, what's going on? And did you get to the grocery store? And on that level, this is a time to ask them, what are you thinking about this? What do you think this means? Where is your trust? Is it in the market? It could be a lot worse than it is right now. Do you take for granted that there may be food in the grocery store day in and day out? Maybe not. Where is your trust? Where is your confidence? And we need to call people to the Lord Jesus. Because we, we all need the cleansing of the Lord Jesus. Your neighbors, your co-workers, your friends and family need the cleansing of the blood of Christ. So this is a time of reckoning. And it's a time when we call people to turn to Christ, to bend the knee to Christ. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Only He can cleanse us. Now secondly, we see here that the shepherd protects the sheep. The people of God are those who are identified as coming out of the great tribulation. Now, that doesn't mean we've avoided the great tribulation. And so given, given the way that the revelation, the book of Revelation unfolds, it's clear that the people of God have gone through that tribulation. They've experienced it. The four horsemen of the apocalypse, we experience that. We go through that. But before those four horsemen are released, at the beginning of Revelation chapter 7, we're told that the people of God are sealed. In other words, they are marked out by God himself and they will be preserved through it. And so when we read in the middle of chapter 7 that we are those who have come out of the great tribulation, it tells us that God has preserved us through it. He has led us through it. He has kept us. Psalm 121 is a promise. God will keep his promise. He will keep us through it. But it doesn't mean that we don't avoid it. Sorry, it doesn't mean we avoid it. Uh, we will go through it. We experience it. And Jesus warns us in John chapter 16, in this world you will have tribulation. You will. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So yes, he will lead us through this time. He's with us. And we read here that we are those who, who dwell under the shelter of the presence of the one seated on the throne. That's verse 15. So even in the midst of this, this week, we are those who abide under the shelter of his presence. So we have nothing to fear. He's with us. He's watching over us. And so we are a people at a time like this who are secure in the Lord. We're at peace. We're calm. And we need to be ministers of that security, that calm, that peace to those around us. And again, we are those who will bear witness to the presence of God, the protection of God. Invite people into that. Call people into that. There is no protection in the markets. There is no protection in, in, in the best doctors in the world. So we know that. So we call people, look, yes, take all the necessary precautions, be wise, but what is your only comfort in life and death? What is your comfort in life and death? 
And we know that our only comfort in life and death is that we belong to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. We belong to him. And then thirdly, we see the provision of the good shepherd. Shepherds feed the sheep. That's what they do. They lead them to pastures. They lead them to water. They care for the sheep. They feed the sheep. And here we read in the vision of John, they shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. He will guide them to springs of living water. Now Jesus as the good shepherd in his own earthly ministry. He did this. In John chapter 6, we see that Jesus, when the crowds were gathered around him in the wilderness and they had nothing to eat, we're told that he had compassion on them. For they were like sheep without a shepherd. And when they were hungry and thirsty, we read that he provided for them. He gave them food, loaves and fishes. So in a time of need, he, he provided them what they, they need. He gave them loaves and fishes. And let's remember that the disciples were those who distributed the loaves and the fishes. They handed them out. They made sure everybody had what they needed. And that's a reminder to us. We are the people of the Good Shepherd. We're ministers of the Good Shepherd. And so this is a time where we check in with our neighbors. And yes, we, we call them to Christ. But we also check in with them and ask them what they need. How are they doing? Can I get anything for you? And there is a long history, and if you look at the history of the church, there is a long history of Christians responding at times like this in such a way that we are here to help. So in the early church, plagues were common. Plagues would come into cities. It happened every, every decade or so. And there were times of severe plague. And Romans would flee the cities. They'd get away. They were scared. The Christians stayed in the cities. And they looked after the sick. And they cared for the dying. And they actually gathered up the, the, the bodies of those who had died and they gave them proper burials and they tended to those who were sick and they prayed with them and they nursed them. Now that's the early church, but you look all through the Middle Ages in the time of the Reformation. The Reformers speak about this. Ulrich Zwingli in Switzerland, Martin Luther in Germany. What do we do when a plague comes? And plagues came. And they gave concrete counsel on what to do. Now they said, be smart about it. You know, follow the proper things in terms of quarantine and stuff like that. Yeah, do that. But they also said we need to care for one another and we need to care for those in our city. And they stayed behind and they cared and nursed for people. Nursed people. So it's a time for us. We need to be ready for that. We need to be ready to do that. So let's look out for one another. And let's make sure that nobody in our congregation is at home right now wondering, oh, how am I going to get groceries? That definitely cannot happen. So let's be looking out for one another, checking in with one another. But then also our neighbors, our coworkers, how are you doing? Let's be ready to stay. Let's be ready to, to care for one another. But we read in Matthew, uh, Mark chapter 6 that Jesus had compassion on them because they were sheep with like they were like sheep without a shepherd. And therefore, the immediate thing he did was not give them loaves and fishes. But we read there, he began to teach them many things. 
He saw that they were like sheep without a shepherd, so he began to teach them many things. And what the people gathered there needed more than loaves and fishes was the word of God. They needed to hear the voice of Christ. They needed to hear their shepherd teaching them. And so, yes, he fed them with loaves and fishes, but he also fed them with the word. And Psalm 107 verse 9 says that God satisfies the longing soul. And the hungry soul he fills with good things. And so there aren't just the practical needs of people. There are the spiritual needs of people. And we need to be listening to the voice of the Good Shepherd at a time like this. And we need to speak with the voice of the Good Shepherd at a time like this. So our ministry to the city, our ministry to our neighbors and coworkers and family and friends is a ministry of the Word. Speak the Word of God into people's lives. They need to hear the Word of God at a time like this. We're hearing from all kinds of people. All kinds of voices weighing in, telling us how to respond. But we also need to hear the voice of the Good Shepherd. We need to hear the Word of God at a time like this. Now that means we need to be listening to the Word of God. And how many of us, when we woke up on Friday morning, Saturday morning, the first thing we did was, okay, what's going on right now? Rather than opening up the Word of God, listening to the Word of God. So let's not be distracted by everything that's going on now. We need to listen to and abide in the Word of God. And I love what Ulrich Zwingli said about the church. This is, uh, he wrote a little statement of faith for the church in, in Bern, Switzerland, in 1528. And this is what he says about the church. The holy Christian church, whose only head is Christ, is born of the Word of God and abides in the same and listens not to the voice of the stranger. And so that's us. We are born of the Word of God. We abide in the Word of God. Let's be listening to the Word of God. Abide in the Word of God, and then be ministers of the Word of God. And the the, the streams of living water that are depicted here. That image comes from Isaiah 55, and there that's a reference to the Word of God. Come, you who are thirsty, come and drink. Come and hear the word of God. These are streams of living water. This is what we need right now. This is what people around us need right now, the word of God. So let's be ministers of his word. Let's abide in his word and let's offer his word to others. Now, if you read on in Revelation, and I'll I'll close with this. Immediately after that image, we have the opening of the seventh seal. So this is Revelation 8, verses 1 to 5. When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Now, the book of Revelation is a very noisy book. There's a lot going on. And the last few days have been very noisy days. Lots of going on. You know, constantly reports about this or that. And you go to a grocery store and it's pretty chaotic. Noisy. But when the seventh seal was opened, there was silence in heaven. Now, why the silence? Verse 2. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before the seven trumpets, and seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came out and stood at the altar with a golden censer. And he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. Why is there silence in heaven? Because the church on earth is praying. 
and heaven is listening. And yeah, it's noisy down here, but heaven is listening to the church. Heaven is listening to the prayers of the saints. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. Now this is a wonderful image of our prayers rising up before God, mixed with the sweet-smelling incense. This tells us that our prayers are a, a, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. And how, however mixed our prayers may be, and we know that we are, we are not perfect praying people. Oftentimes there's a bit of mixed motivation in there. Even so, as they rise up before the throne of God, they are mixed with incense from the altar. They are purified. They are sweet-smelling. And they come before the throne of God. God's listening to us right now. He's receiving our prayers. And then listen to the response, verse 5. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire. The censer, it's got the prayers of the saints. It's got the incense. The angel filled that censer with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth. And there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. Now that imagery, thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, an earthquake... In the book of Revelation, this signifies the very presence of God, the throne of God. In Revelation chapter 4, when we have the vision of the throne of God there, there are, there's thunder, there's rumblings, there's flashings of, uh, flashes of lightning. And what this text is telling us is that in the midst of what's going on in the world, in the midst of tribulation, heaven is listening. God is listening to the prayers of his people. And those prayers are mixed with fire from the altar of heaven. And they are hurled back to the earth. And there's one thing added here to the rumblings and the flashes of lightning and the thunder. There's an earthquake. The prayers of God's people shake the earth. And so this is a time for us as a church in a city like Toronto to be praying. And what this text tells us is that prayer literally shakes the earth. And prayer makes the presence of God manifest on the earth. Rumblings, lightning. And so let's commit now as God's people to be praying at a time like this, to, pre- to be interceding. Because heaven is listening and, it, and, it, and it, will, it will shake the earth. So let's be faithful in, in calling people to Christ. Let's be faithful in being ministers of the word of God to people around us. Let's be faithful in exercising Christian love to those around us. And let's be praying. Let's be interceding for the world, for the nations. God is listening and God will answer. And the image here is that it will be dramatic. So let's believe. Let's believe God's word. Let's abide in the word of God. And now we come to the Lord's table. And this is a reminder every Sunday. And this is the Lord's day. This is the first day of the week. This is the day when Jesus was raised from the dead. Nothing that's going on around us changes any of that. And so we gather together in his name and we come to the Lord's table. And the Apostle Paul tells us that the cup of blessing that we bless, and it happens on this Sunday, it's little cups, a bunch of little cups that are being blessed. That's fine, well spaced out. Is it not a participation? Is it not communion, fellowship with the blood of Christ? The bread that we break. And yes, even if it's bread, that it will be given to you with you know clean tongs. 
Nobody touching it. Little wafers. Even so, is it not participation, fellowship, communion with the body of Christ? In other words, we know the presence of the Good Shepherd with us in this meal. As we do every Sunday, and this Sunday is no different. And so let's come forward in faith knowing that the Good Shepherd is with us. We hear his voice. We follow him. And because we know his presence here, we know his presence as we leave this place. He's leading us. And he will lead us through the days ahead. Whatever the days ahead may may hold, we don't know. He's with us and he's leading us through it. And he's called us to be his ministers in the midst of it. So let's come to the Lord's table now in faith, knowing that our Lord, our Good Shepherd, is with us. This message has been brought to you by the Ezra Institute for Contemporary Christianity. Please feel free to share this content, but do not charge for it or alter it in any way without the express written consent of the EICC. For more resources, please visit ezrainstitute.ca.